Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Matthews, the Founder and Chief Resilience Officer of Espalis Advisors. Today, I'm very excited. We have an accomplished guest that's going to be joining us again today. She is no stranger to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Cheyenne Marling is the Managing Director of BC Management at Castellan Solutions Company. And she's going to be speaking on 2021 business continuity employment market. So Cheyenne, how are you? Fantastic. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing very, very, very well. So we've talked to you. Uh, you were one of the first guests of, of the podcast, I want to say two, maybe three years ago now. And then we had a call with you and uh, Brian Zawada when we talked about the first merger with Evolution. And then we had a third podcast with you and Alicia talking about your business, BC Management, 20 years in the making and all the growth and, and, and transformation that you guys have experienced. And then now today we're coming on the, the back end of COVID and looking at the job market. So first I wanna say welcome back and see if there's anything that you wanna share with our audience since that timeline of events that has occurred. Oh my gosh, it's just been an amazing journey and ride. Um, but an interesting last year, but going through COVID and having to go through another acquisition. So now we're part of, as you mentioned, Castellan Solutions. So a much larger organization coming together, Clearview, Evolution, Assurance, and BC Management. So it's been a great ride. Um, haven't met anyone in person yet from the new company. So anxious to do that soon. But otherwise, we've been staying strong and busy. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to get into our conversation today. So can you tell me what has changed or perhaps what hasn't changed within the business continuity management employment market? So it's been an interesting last year, right? I mean, we've been focused in this niche industry from an employment standpoint, staffing perspective for over 20 years. So we've been through a lot of ups and downs and we've seen a lot of events and how those events have impacted the employment market. This year has been definitely the most interesting for everyone, right? Um, a lot of things, things thrown at you that you didn't expect. Um, but I, within BC Management, I'm involved in tracking all the jobs out there. So who's posting what jobs, who's looking to hire? I reach out to them, offer our assistance. So I physically, I, I track each job posting by the level of opportunity and the level, the how many jobs are open per week as far as new job opportunities. And we um, scope jobs across the US as well as Canada, Mexico, Singapore, Japan, India, uh, the UK, Australia, and um, Ireland. The job market has exploded. I have never seen anything like this. So in March, all of our jobs were canceled because of COVID, everyone was scrambling. But right there, shortly thereafter in April, the market just started to surge. So typically we noticed about maybe 20, 25 jobs, new job postings per week. And according to our numbers, internationally, 39 jobs posted on average before COVID, but then once COVID hit, it spiked up to 47 on average since last March. And there've been several weeks since then, where it was 50 new jobs per week. And in fact, three weeks had 75. 75 new jobs posted. I've never seen this in the last 20 years of recruiting in this industry. And initially when COVID hit, right in the summer timeframe, there were more senior level positions posted. So that was indicative that either those companies did not have a program in place or they were very immature programs. Since then, we're seeing the balance out between mid-management, junior, and probably then followed by the senior leader, leadership positions. But again, never seen a market surge like this ever in the last 20 years. 
Wow. So, so when you say you've seen 75 jobs, was that in the international market and the U.S. market or just all? A combination. So typically we see about 20 to 25 before COVID in the U.S. and it's been right around 30, 35 in the U.S. And then that extra space is, you know, getting to the 50, the high 40s, but internationally 75 new jobs. So those are not jobs reposted. Um, those are new jobs that were posted within a given week. Awesome. And are you noticing any trends in terms of the industry? Definitely. So technology and healthcare and government are the ones that are hiring more than, than typical. We always see, you know, large numbers from the financial market because those obviously they are so heavily regulated, but really the surge, if you look back over the other years previously, certainly healthcare, technology, and government has seen the greatest surge. And why, so what, what's the driver behind technology, healthcare, and government? Well, so we've ran a couple other reports um, in regards to how COVID has impacted those industry sectors. So obviously healthcare was very busy during COVID response. Government also um, found that their programs were a little bit less, were a little bit more immature than some of the other industry sectors. So I think they're trying to make up that gap. And then technology was obviously very put under, I mean, they had a lot of implications initially when COVID hit because everyone trying to work from a home environment that caused a lot of situations within the industry sector as a whole. And then obviously financial, they're so heavily regulated. So they had to keep up with their reoccurring activities while addressing the gaps, as well as responding to COVID throughout the year too. Generally speaking, the news is reporting that employers are having some challenges finding qualified talent. So question for you, are we experiencing the same thing in the business continuity management profession? Definitely. As I've been reaching out to my companies and letting them know we're here to help if they need help filling the positions. I mean, obviously most companies are trying to fill the positions without using a third party. It helps with their bottom line, right? But what I'm hearing from my companies, especially in the last month or so, is that they're not getting any response to the, to the job postings. So no applications. And if they're getting applications, they're not really involved in the industry. Some of them can't even spell continuity when they apply to the job. Then you also have those that are, that are, that are too over-experienced, right? So they're looking for that nice balanced candidate. The other struggle is that when they do have someone that applies to the job, just getting them to be responsive to set up an interview We've had companies tell us that individuals are not even showing up for interviews. So what you're hearing in the news is certainly what we're seeing within the business continuity market space as well. I've been recruiting in this market even before the dot-com time. So I can kind of compare it back to then where once a company finds an individual that they want to hire, they move very, very quickly. And I'm back then you would hear of candidates getting offers before they even left the parking lot the same thing's happening again. So once they find someone that shows up for the interview that's qualified, that's a match with what they're looking for, they move quickly in, in uh, getting that person onboarded. What's the driver for why people are not applying for roles for crisis management and business continuities? If you turn on the, the news and there's obviously a need yeah. and a demand, right? Because everything that's wrong <laughs> just keeps mm -hmm. happening. <laughs> so what do you think is driving that? First and foremost, they're not getting applications that they're used to they're not responding because they don't want to leave their employer in a bad situation. If they have left, they've already left. If they want to make a change, they already made the change. And they made that change right around the summer timeframe until the fall before the holidays, because either they were overworked, they didn't feel valued 
within the organization during COVID. So those individuals left. Those who are remaining who do not make a job change, they don't want to leave their employer in a bad situation. And it's harder to attract those individuals. When you do find someone that does apply to a job, in many cases, they want to continue. They're applying because they want to work from home. So they know that pretty soon they're going to have to return to the office, but they want to have an opportunity where they can work from home. And in many cases, most of the companies that we're seeing that are looking to hire, granted, everyone's been working from home for the last year, 16 months, what have you, but they really want someone to come into the office or have a flexible environment where they're still working primarily from the office, but maybe a day or two from home. So they have that ability to quickly maneuver and pivot back to home, work from home if needed. But generally speaking, most companies want the individuals to come into the office. Do you have any data points about the um, generations? When you share that um, some people don't want to leave their employers, the first question that came off to me was, well, what generation are those people? Because it can't be a millennial yeah. <laughs> or a Gen Z, because just the way that our brains you know, function, that loyalty piece, I don't think is all the way there for us. So, so do you have any insight in, in terms of the, the types of, of generations that we're talking about here? Great question. So I haven't been tracking that, and I probably should start tracking that. That's a very good question to ask. Um, but generally speaking, within our industry, most individuals are more experienced, right? So getting people that are new to the industry, that pool of candidates is much, much, much smaller. So making sure that you're comparing apples to apples is a little bit of a challenge within our profession to begin with. If I were to guess and estimate, I would say that it's harder to attract some of the newbies to the profession because... Again, they're the ones that if they want to make a job change, they did it sooner rather than later. And they're not looking, they've already made that job change. So they're not looking to make multiple job changes within one year. Um, well, I can definitely uh, share in some of those sentiments. Um, at Asphalus, we are an employer as well. We posted roles and people have never been to the asphalusadvisors.com website. They wouldn't be able to tell you what our core values are or what the company's name actually means. Mm-hmm. So when I'm interviewing people, our first screen is all about a culture fit and have they read the website? And if the answer is no, we don't even pass them on to the second round because it's challenging. And as an employer, it's frustrating when you're looking for talent, but then people just don't do their due diligence or, or you get any and everybody who applies and it's clear that they just did not read the job posting. Yeah, the lack of interest. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can definitely empathize with some of your customers and, and and what their frustrations are. We've had a couple of clients this year who we've helped them to, to really think about what's your business continuity program and how are you going to structure it? And they too are looking for candidates. And another thing that we've seen that, that has come up is, you know, do I have to relocate? And so mm-hmm. that's now an interesting question because it's, well, we're headquartered in, in, in Charlotte for my company, but do I really want to build a network of, of candidates who are not where we're headquartered at? Because at some point in time, we're going to want that talent here locally, right? So how are you guys discussing the need to be in person or to be virtual? And how are you seeing that come up in conversations? Well, it's definitely coming up. So again, with our clients, they want someone to be on site or at least have the ability to come into the office more than to be from home. And I think that collaboration in person is now people are really starting to understand how valued that is. I, I mean, I'm, typically, I'm used to working from home. I've been working from home since 2009, 
but wow, I miss going to conferences. I miss seeing people face to face. I miss, I mean, I haven't seen anyone from my company yet. And it's just very awkward because you're trying to exchange ideas. And even though we've been more comfortable with the Zoom and the video conferencing, it's still not how we're wired as humans, right? We want to see people face to face. And when you're looking at yourself and trying to talk to everyone with virtually, you're also looking at yourself thinking, oh my gosh, I, you know, it's hard to focus on a conversation when you're also looking at yourself in a video screen. So having that one-on-one collaboration, but think about a business continuity. Your job is to understand how to interact across the entire organization. So now you're trying to do that with people that you've never met. It's it's a challenge. So having that one-on-one face-to-face team collaboration, I miss it. I really, truly miss it. I could see that. To your point, have the competencies in demand by employers changed over the past year to two years? Definitely. So obviously there's some very common core competencies that come within business country planning, being able to interact across the organization, customer interaction, understanding how to write, ask the right probing questions to learn about the organization and the culture. But more than ever before, companies want that situational awareness being able to pivot quickly would change because when you're responding to an event, not every event is the same. And we've definitely learned after the last year that you have to switch quickly and be able to understand the situation and what's going to work best within the situation. So those soft skills are coming out to play more and more. And those are the things that companies most struggle in interviewing for as well. Candidates have a hard time communicating or showcasing their soft skills. So the situational awareness, the emotional intelligence, being able to be an agent of change, and also being really passionate about what you do. Because if you're not excited about it, then you're not going to get anyone else across the organization to be excited about it either. So those soft skills are coming into play. And I'm hearing from my hiring managers, they want someone who can really drive the program, understand the culture, and develop a program that's going to work for their culture. And that they know when something happens, they can count on that individual to quickly react and pivot and be able to... um, be able to uh, approach the event based on how things are changing at the moment. If that's what the employers are looking for and that hasn't changed, what recommendations do you have for candidates to be aware of when they're looking for a, a new job or a new role? To really think about first and foremost, what you want out of your career, what you want in the short term, what you want in the long run, and really stay focused on that. Don't just send your resume out to send your resume out really stay focused on what's going to work best for you and asking those key questions right away in the interview process, because a lot of companies, they want you to be on site. And if you're not open to relocating, be completely hundred percent transparent and don't go down the road thinking that things are going to change because if they're asking in the beginning, it's not going to change at the end of the process. So understanding what works best for you, understanding what are your core values that you want within an organization and what's going to work best with your home life work balance. Yeah, we, we typically ask, you know, what's, what's the five to 10 year plan for you personally? And then how do you currently live out one of our core values? And we listen for the verb tense for how they describe it, because that really tells you if if you're actively living it, or if you're kind of just sharing with me a story, because it's great for me to hear. (laughs) Yeah, those are great questions too. It it definitely gives you some good eye opening to how the person's wired, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, So what should employers be aware of? On a previous conference that I attended, one of the things that we talked about was this transition of the workforce with the boomer generation continuing to evolve with a newer generation coming in. 
what what should these employers be aware of and what should I be aware of as an employer? (laughs) That's a great question. So really keeping an open mind because sometimes your criteria, A, B, C, D, whatever it may be, you could be leaving out a great candidate that could be a great fit to the culture because you can teach them aspects of the job in many cases if you have the, the time to do so, but getting the right culture fit, the right soft skills and understanding and really interviewing for those skills and what's going to what's going to work best within your team, within your company, within your program. So don't always stay true and, and only interview or qualify candidates based on your top three requirements. Kind of keeping an open box and open mind to what's going to work best for you and communicating that to your human resources or internal talent acquisition. Because if they're leaving people out only because they don't have a certification or they don't have a degree, you know, there could be something else in their resume, some of those other soft skills, or some of the skills they learned previously with another job that they're bringing to business continuity planning. Yeah, we have a, a couple of customers, uh, especially those that are focused on making a diversity and equity mm-hmm. higher. Um, they're getting rid of the requirements to have a bachelor's degree or some of the things that have historically kept mm-hmm. black and brown people out. They're getting rid mm-hmm. of some of those barriers because in all honesty, what we do isn't rocket science. Exactly. More so program management, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can manage the program, yeah. build relationships and uh, write well, I think you'll be successful. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, very good point. Very good point. And it weeds out so many candidates. If you don't have an open mind, you're weeding out a lot of potential talent. Cheyenne, do you have anything um, that our listeners may find of value that you can share before we wrap up today? So for the first time ever, we've created a dashboard, a customized dashboard. So usually you have the great report, right? That is the static PDF report. But the feedback I've always received is great report, but it has nothing to do with my background. It has nothing to do with how many years experience. So now we're offering customized dashboards, complimentary. So anyone who does participate in the study, and the study is still open, once you participate, you get a complimentary customized dashboard that is either customized by years of experience or by job title. And it goes through and it's it's a it's a link. And the best thing is more and more people are still contributing to the study. And that dashboard link that individuals have received gets better and better throughout the year. It shows the it shows by region, it shows by degree, by years of experience, leadership skills, management skills, certification, and it gives you more insight into what others are doing or their compensation earning potential within your peer group. Awesome. So where can people go to find that dashboard? Go to uh, bcmanagement.com, click on insights, research and insights. The first layer underneath there is compensation and career studies, and you can request the compensation report and you can still participate to get that customized dashboard. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for visiting us today. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Subscribe, share, download, and look out for future episodes.